Al Berry and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to a special social distancing episode of the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry and along with me, but not with me, not next to me, but at least six feet away from me is Tim Parrish. Tim, how are you doing? I'm even sitting six feet away from my camera. So you're six feet away from your camera, and we're, what, about 120 miles from each other? At least six feet. At least, yeah, we're at least somewhere between six feet and 600 miles away from each other. So we are practicing safe social distancing as we talk about hockey and hockey collectibles, although there hasn't been a whole heck of a lot of hockey to talk about. And we're going to actually start the show with hockey. So those of you who don't care about hockey cards, you listen to this part and then turn off at the end. When we geek out about an old set, we're going to talk about the 86, 87 tops and OPG sets. But uh, as of right now, um, not a whole heck of a lot on the hockey uh, landscape lately. Well, with, with no games being played, obviously you don't have a lot of, sights and sounds and recaps to be able to go over but shockingly enough there has been some hockey news over over the last you know few days or since we last podcasted including uh two of the ottawa senators being tested positive for the uh the virus for covid19 yeah um we we knew about one i think going into our last podcast but now another one tested positive so um, we've actually tested everybody that went on the, that West Coast trip that they were on before the pause in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, eight of, I think they said eight of the 52 players show symptoms. So, or not 52 players, 52 staff members. Eight mm-hmm. of the 52. So, they were all over that West Coast trip. So, uh, I mean, take that for what it what it is well now i hope all the west coast teams are are getting tested so uh i i was uh, reading up on the nhl.com website today because they had a q a about uh, covid19 and what steps they're taking what precautions and so one question they asked are is are you going to have all the players tested and they said no right now the players are self-isolating if they're showing any symptoms then of course they're being tested and then if anybody is is said to be near anybody else who tests positive, then they're also being tested. But there's no plan to just like blanket test all of the players, which I guess is fine. I mean, there's not enough tests to go around. And I know a lot of people got upset that like entire NBA teams and staffs were getting tested and like people who are maybe not, you know, professional athletes or, or famous actors were were not getting the test and they maybe needed it. More, I don't know, but um, so, part of that whole part of that whole issue was just the simple fact that you know you got hospitals that can't even get five tests, and you got an entire NBA team that all of a sudden out of nowhere pulled fifty, and it's like, how did they get that many? Well, you know how they got that many? They have money. Hospitals don't have money. Yeah, you know any with the church. But any but what it was that hospitals don't have money unless what. Unless they're affiliated with some kind of uh, church. Ah. So, like a Franciscan something or Sisters of blah, 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 fill in the blank. So, 
but I'm generalizing, and of course, it's not really the case. But yeah, the um, the the fact that they're not testing everybody, uh, that's the standard MO for this whole thing. Because if you do show signs and you do start to show symptoms, the whole point is to be self quarantined for you know 14 days um, and let it run its course. And the problem is people aren't doing that. People aren't paying attention. And they're either A, going to the hospital with immediate sniffles, or B, not going at all and just going about their day infecting everybody around them. So, you know, part part of that issue is, yeah, everybody's not being tested. So I think the alarm's not there, but there aren't tests. There just aren't. There's a shortage. There's a shortage of everything now. Yeah, and people are being asked to stay home, and yet people are being very, not all people, some people are being upset about this, like, oh, the government's taking away our rights, the government's taking away our freedom, I I should be able to do what I want. I mean, there's still idiots on Twitter who are, like, bragging about going out to restaurants and public spaces and stuff like that, and they just don't get it. I mean, look, I'm... Well, if you're lucky enough to still live in an area that hasn't shut down every one of the restaurants and bars and everything else that's around, I know both of the states that you and I live in, we're uh, pretty much on lockdown right now. Yeah, and like my well, one of my I am favorite... as of night tomorrow. Oh, really? Yeah, they passed it today. Okay, so your lockdown starts on Tuesday. Eleven fifty nine on Tuesday. Yeah, and mine started at five p.m. on Saturday. And on Friday, I went and I got, uh, I went to a restaurant right across the street from where I live. I just took an order, uh, uh, you know, I phoned in an order. I took it home. And then, like, literally the next day, they closed. I was going to go back again. I'm like, all right, maybe I'll get dinner from them again. Not that I could afford to eat out every day, every meal. But, you know, I kind of wanted them to stay open because they're, like, literally the closest restaurant to where I live. You know, that place where I'm just like, ah, screw it. I don't feel like cooking. I'll just run across the street and grab a burger and bring it back, you know? So I, I, I miss that convenience of, uh, well, and plus, you know, it sucks that they had to close and they put up a sign and they said, we're really sorry. We wanted to do this, but we, and we didn't want to do this, but things as they are, we just, you know, we, we had to, we can't, can't afford to keep our doors open. Yeah. And that's part of the problem is it's never going to run its course in a, in a, expedited time frame if people don't actually follow what's recommended so here we are right i'm i'm isolated you're isolated i've been home i've been writing a lot i have a lot of school stuff to do anyways i'm a teacher so i've been grading um it's funny because not funny but they're moving all my classes to online classes next quarter like they kicked all the students out of the dorm and they just said go home and your class is going to be online and then they told all the teachers they're like you're either going to teach this class online or you're not going to teach this class. So they didn't really give us a choice. And then they were like, well, you could come to the school and record because all of our classrooms have like, you know, cameras and microphones all set up. They, they record my class anyway. And then now they're like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. You're going to, you're going to do all of this from home. So it's just crazy how much uh, it's like, I want to watch hockey, but I've just been so busy with other stuff anyway um, because of this on that you can watch other than replays of old games which actually aren't too uh, uh 
aren't too bad. The uh, e what was it? The eighty three, eighty four. Oh, they've been showing been, them all. Might have been the eighty four game seven, the Oilers versus the Flyers. Um, was on like first thing this morning when I woke up. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so getting back to current hockey news now. So okay, so. Two Senators players test positive for COVID-19. The IIHF World Championships is canceled. Now, that wasn't supposed to happen until uh, May 8th. Are you surprised that they canceled? I mean, looking this far out that it took them this long? This took this long because everybody else has jumped on board and realizes that there's under, yeah, your, your general area might be clear by that point in time. Mm-hmm. But where are all these people coming from? You know, you got teams coming from all over. So right. You never know. So it's just, I'm surprised it took this long, but it doesn't surprise me that they went that route. Yeah. And it doesn't surprise me either, but it's it's six, still six and a half weeks away. But uh, yeah, I mean, they're just, I don't want to say they're being cautious, they're being responsible. That's the right word. Um, personally, I never watch the world championships cause it's always on at like 4am on a Tuesday. And I just, I can't ever catch any of their games. I usually try to keep away from the updates and watch the replays because mm-hmm. NHL would always show replays later now, on in normal hours. Okay. So, uh, New York Islanders, some news there you want to talk about. Yeah. I thought it was kind of funny. There was Go an article it. that was put out there that uh, that the Islanders basically said that they would match any offer sheet that came in for Matt Barzell. Um, well, and I'm not sure if that's. I mean, obviously Lou is the organization and runs the place, so you know that's that's Lou making the determination and deciding that that's what he wants because Matt's their guy, and you know. More power to him. I'd build. I'd build around him as well. But it's just funny that that they go out of their way. Here's a guy that never says anything about anything. Like Lou doesn't want to talk about stuff like ever. He doesn't want to address it ever. And then they make the announcement and say that anybody makes an offer sheet on our guy, we'll match it. I thought that was pretty interesting because what's to stop? In my mind, like, so you think about how, how these offer sheets work, and they don't happen very often. I think we had, what, one the other, um, was it last year or this year or something? Um, so, you know, obviously, you put out an offer sheet to somebody, and the team either has to match it, or basically the free agent player goes and plays for you for whatever that price is. Uh, what's to stop like a division rival? Let's say, oh, I don't know. A New York Rangers to entice Mr. Barzal to come a little bit further up the road for a fat sum of money and basically cash strap the Islanders to force them to make the match. I, I don't know. I thought that was weird. Whatever. Well, it's it's funny that he would bring that up. Like he would he would he would voice that. I, I guess he's just trying to 
deter teams from doing it in the first place. Although they really have nothing to lose, especially if they have the cap space and they, they want him, you know, as well, uh, ex- that's exactly my point because now he's basically said, all right, fine, go ahead. Whoever wants to offer it, offer it. Cause we're going to match it. Why, why wouldn't you as a team? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you offer? Why wouldn't you why match? Wouldn't you make the offer, even if you can't afford it, just make the offer anyway. I mean, it's silly. Why not? That's what I would do. I mean, well, I mean, if you, if you, if they match, if, if they, if you take the offer, if they, if they don't match the offer, then you lose uh, draft picks. But they said, they already said they're going to. Like, that was enough. They're going to match whatever offer sheet. If any offer sheets come in for him, they will match it. So that's why I'm saying if you're a rival team, throw out, offer him more than you can afford to pay them, which then the Islanders will have to match it because they already said and cover it. Because otherwise, how does that look? You made a public announcement. Your player heard you say it, right? Well, you, okay. You expect Hold this on. guy like turn it all down and just stay and play for you, knowing that you're not going to give him what you promised you were going to give. Well, wait. Now that could have been that could have been for the to for the player, not the player's benefit, but to keep the player on your side. Like if I say. I value Tim Parrish so much as my podcast co-host that if another podcast comes along and tries to sign him away to their podcast, I'm going to match whatever offer they make to Tim. Now, you might say, hey, all right, or you might say, wow, Sal's really loyal to me, and I uh, I, I, I want to stay put. I want to stay here, right? So maybe, uh, uh, maybe Barzal is thinking, hey, the Islanders really like me. I want to stay here. I want to help this team become a champion, right? Because Lou was just going out there and saying, hey, don't sign our guy. We put a lot of value on him. We're keeping him. Could have been public posturing for for the, the players' benefit more than uh, as a deterrent to the other teams. Yeah, but, okay, so now you play your card and you already say, I don't care what anybody says. We're keeping him. So whatever offer sheet you, you throw, we're going to match. Okay, fine. Let's test that. So let's throw some ridiculous number out there. Let's see what happens. I don't know. You think there'll be a team that does that? Or you think it's just Lou being, you know, he's the uh, he's the big dog. And when he starts barking, all the little dogs go back on their porch. I think, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to think the other the other management types are tired of Lou. <laughs> but um honestly I, I think Barzell will just sign a bridge deal. That's what they all do. They sign a bridge deal, you know, that second year contract, they go for something short, something that's cap friendly, something that's team friendly, so that they be- become a UFA at twenty six or twenty seven. Uh, that makes the most sense. You know, sure. I, I'm a I'm an RFA. Like a generational player though. He's not the kind of guy that you sign to a bridge deal and then let him go in two or three years. He's the kind of guy that you sign and put him under your franchise and build everybody around. Okay. He's that kind of player. Well, then I, as a player, I'd be okay with that too. I'd be like, all right, cool, man. 
sign me for nine years. What you got? You know what I mean? Just that's that's fine too. Interesting to see if anybody does something. If anybody just throws out a ridiculous number and lose forced to basically stick his fist in his mouth. We'll see. Johnny Boychuk back uh, back for uh, ready for action. Yeah, um, you know, theoretically speaking, since that's all we have at this moment, if the uh, if the season was ever able to unpause, he'd be ready to go. So, uh, which is good to hear, considering that injury, taking that skate to the face. And so Tuka asks, I read that somewhere, and we talked, or you brought this up earlier, that uh, he's probably going to retire because he wants to, uh, after his uh, contract is up next year, because he wants to spend more time with his family. Yeah, I heard that too. Um, he said basically after, rather than re-upping a contract for a smaller amount of time, because he didn't, I guess he doesn't think his, or he thinks his days are probably numbered, so. He's uh, considering hanging him up, which I found was kind of interesting. Yeah, because he could play. I, I don't think his days are numbered. Maybe they're numbered in Boston, but not in the league by any means. Yeah, I, I mean, are there goalies that are better than him? Yeah. But the list of ones that aren't is way bigger. Right. So, you know, the fact that you can hold a uh, a pretty solid number one job or one A one B type job mm-hmm. um, in the NHL. I mean, you're one of the you're one of the best, and he still plays at a high level. So, you know, it's that was interesting to read that, especially when you consider well, Boston just lost Tom Brady, so now Tuca's going to leave, huh? I don't think they're in the same. Uh category but yeah because i hate the freaking patriots well yeah of course i think everybody i think people who don't know football like me we just root against the patriots like i remember watching that super bowl a couple years ago and just being like please i just don't want the patriots to win and uh god was that against the seahawks the one where they lost the super bowl um no Patriots lost to the Giants. The Giants? I think that's the last one they lost was against the Giants. All right. Well, there was one that they lost, and um, I was just uh, obviously happy about that. But, but like the 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 sport, the announcers were still kissing butt. Like, oh well, the you know the Patriots, uh, they they've been known to come back, and there's like three minutes left, and I'm like, oh my god, you guys are just holding it, you know, so much for being impartial, right? You know, that's for not being a football fan. You sh- you sure figured it out quick. Oh well, yeah. I mean, we see... the... Yeah, you no, know, I get that. So, um, Seattle. Speaking of what? I was gonna say, speaking of Boston. Yeah. You see what? Did you see the uh, the other thing that came out about the Bruins? organization themselves about uh, not paying their uh, employees yeah talk to us about this so so the Bruins are owned well 
I don't know how much they're owned strictly throughout the family because I know the team was sold, but I, I believe it's still in the Jacobs family. So let's just say that it's within the Jacobs family. These guys are billionaires, like billion with a B, billionaires. Um, all of their money was made through their businesses that they have, and they are known, other than being the owner of the Bruins, they are known for their business of, I believe it's called Delaware North, which is a concessions business. So they make the, all their money off of concessions. And that's where all of their people made their money and helped them make their money and become the billionaires that they are. So they own the Bruins. They own this huge concessions company. Basically, they were the last team, and it was highly public, they were the last team to announce that they were actually going to help their employees. Um, and that was only after there was all kinds of stuff all over social media and everywhere else about the uh, Massachusetts legislature just jumping on them and essentially guilting them into doing something and forcing them to do it. Um, so they established this fund that's, from what I saw, was worth like $1.5 million mm-hmm. to help their employees. Oh, great. Right? Yeah, well, read the fine print. Um, as you go into it in the the terms of this fund or endowment or whatever they want to call it, um, the employees can only access the fund if the last six games, the last six home games, are not played. So let me, let me say that again. If the last six home games are not played, then and only then can they access this money that's supposedly set aside for them. Hmm. And case you've been living under a rock, we're on pause, right? We're not using the C word. We're saying pause. Therefore, it's not been canceled. The season's not off. It's not over. They're still looking at alternative plans to even start it up after the fact. So until the league actually officially comes out and cancels the season, everybody gets no money. No money. So So what are they getting in the short term? See, because that's the problem. It's not like, oh, you could work eventually. It's like, what about right now? Exactly. And that's part of the issue. Like if my if my school told me because we're on spring break week now and the next week we start up with the spring quarter and we're going to teach our classes online. But if they said, you know what, stay home and when we reopen the school, you could teach your classes and then you'll start getting a paycheck again. I'd be like, well, that's great when school starts. But what do I do for money right now? You know what I mean? So, um, you know, what do you do if you're in? In that sort of, uh, you know, sort of work, you're you're the concession person and you work maybe three Bruins home games and three Celtics home games a week. Now that's gone and they're telling you, well, you'll get paid only if the games are canceled. But in the meantime, just sit tight until we figure this stuff out. Yeah, well, that's, that's exactly crazy. it. And a lot of these people can't sit tight because they live paycheck to paycheck. These are hourly workers. This yeah. isn't like. We're not talking about salaried employees that are, you know, 
desk jockey somewhere within the organization. That's not mm-hmm. what we're talking about. We're talking about the workers, the worker bees, the people that make it all work, the people that help it so you can buy the $12 beers and the $16 hot dogs and the $5 two ounces of popcorn. That's that's the people we're talking about here. And I know that's trivializing it, but I'm just trying to make a point here. You know, the fact that he waits, that, that the whole freaking family waits until the very last minute and only then after some senators or house members or, I don't know, state assembly member. I don't remember who it was. but Puts pressure on them. Yeah, they got all this pressure put on them from outside. Now, all of a sudden, they are, okay, well, we'll do this. Oh, but wait, let's put this little caveat in there that says we're only going to pay them if this happens. What happens if the NHL never cancels the season and it just fizzles away, but they never officially cancel it? These people get nothing. It's garbage. I mean, if I needed another ruin, a reason to hate the Bruins or Boston or any of that, it's just, it's it's a really bad look for that organization, I think. Yeah. yeah that's just, that's my personal opinion. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of it because I'm not a huge fan, but, you know, it's just, it is what it is. So I wanted to bring up uh, Seattle. They wanted to release their new nickname. Well, their new nickname. The team's nickname. And now it's like, uh, oh, look what's raining on their parade, right? They're not going to... I mean, do you really want to announce any anything newsworthy right now? I mean, nobody's paying attention to hockey. And, you know, you think back to, like, when the Golden Knights uh, and unveiled their name and their logo... They made such a big deal about it, and everybody was talking about it leading up to that night, and they had their press conference and everything, and they made a big deal about it. And it's kind of hard to do that when you can't have people six, you know, closer than six feet uh, apart from each other. I mean, the Vegas thing was a whole big event. I mean, even the weeks leading up to it, it was all like, what are they going to be called? Are they going to be called? He likes... You know, the ownership likes Black Knights. They're going to be called the Black Knights. They're going to be called the Golden Jets. Or they're going to be called the, the what else did they call them? Like the, the Desert Desert Knights or something like that. There were all these names that were being thrown around. And then, you know, the whole announcement came and it was a whole big thing. And, you know, Seattle has this preview event that was supposed to be this month, which obviously got canceled. So that's not happening. Whether they have the name or not, they're not going to release it because, like you said, you'd be an ass if you came out and tried to, hey, look at me over here while people are sick and dying. No, it's not going to happen. So, and that's ex- that's that would be the worst thing you could ask for for a brand new franchise that has no fans yet. To have a come, to have an yeah. unveiling of the name and and um, yeah. nobody come be our fan, the most insensitive team in hockey. Come be a fan of us. Well, why would they be insensitive? I'm not catching that part. Um, because they would put all the focus on themselves and their their naming party rather than focusing on what's really going on in the world. Hey, I wonder if what's going on in the world is also going to put uh, a, a temporary, if not permanent, uh, uh, stop to the uh, gender reveal parties that have become so popular in the past 10 years. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, like when you're having a baby? Yeah, well, not me personally, but like you know, when your wife is having a baby. When a woman I, is having I, a baby. I don't know, man. And, 
This is a weird world we live in. Hey, I saw Junior with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Science fiction can become science fact, but anyway. <laughs> people eating bats in China, people having babies. You never know. Well, you know, where they, they, they have like the cake, and they cut the cake, and if it's a blueberry cake, then it's a yeah. boy, and if it's a strawberry cake, then it's a girl. And they did a, they had like a two presents in the backyard, and like they pulled the string, and the box opened, and balloons flew out that were a certain color. Mm-hmm. Well, they opened up the box, and blue and pink balloons came out because they were having twins. Nice. So. Nice. Yeah. Well. So what you're saying I, is they should set up in somebody's backyard since they'd still be quarantined technically. Have a box that says Seattle on the side and have it open up and whatever's on the balloons that come out, then we'll know what the name is. I like that. Or they could just have a giant balloon of the uh of the mascot, like a Kraken balloon or a uh I guess only really a Kraken balloon. Now I'm racking my brains. I'm thinking about our suggested team names. I think the front runner was Kraken. Ah, see, I don't like that, though, because it's singular. And I hate singular. Singular sport team names are only good for soccer. And that's because I don't care about soccer. So it's like, yeah, okay, you're the United. You're the Fire. Okay, great, whatever. You know what I mean? But, like, for hockey, it needs to be plural, you know? Fire is plural. There's yeah, one fire. fire. What? That could be multiple. So could Kraken. Kraken could be more than one. I don't know the. I don't know how that goes. Wouldn't Kraken, Kraken be... one Kraken, many Kraken? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I I, I don't. You know, is the Kraken a cool monster? Yeah, big Clash of the uh, Titans fan here. Not the not the remake, the original. From uh, 81. So many cross things they could do with that then, too. By bringing in, like, Greek mythology and all of that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. It could be really it could be really pretty cool designs. You could kind of do that kind of, like, that those, like, patterns that you'd see on, like, the Greek pottery, you know? And, like, the design of, like, if you think of, like, their, um, their the, the style that they would do, or, like, their paintings and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I could see those being like really cool, like water pictures and the weird angles and stuff. Yeah, having like little Greek soldiers with like shields as like shoulder patches or something that could be kind of neat. Sure. Although I don't, not sure how much of a big Greek population is up in that area. People might not get it, get the reference. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think about how the the Phoenix, excuse me, um, Arizona Coyotes. Well, when they were the Phoenix Coyotes, when they first moved to the desert from Winnipeg and how they used that Southwestern art style, both for their Kachina logo and for like the patterns that were on their logos, like around the the, the hem of the jersey, uh, how they how they borrowed that art style, even though everybody says, oh, that jersey was a disaster. And that's why I love it. But um you know, I, 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 I think that's really cool. I mean, that, that so at least that was trying to do something different than the typical, like, okay, we're going to have colored shoulders and stripes around the sleeves and stripe, stripes around the base, right? Because that's the look of a hockey jersey. Right, and there's a story behind it and a reasoning behind it. Mm-hmm. That, that makes makes more sense that way. 
I would like their base color to be green, even if they were not the evergreens, I, I think, or emeralds. Emeralds would be kind of a cool name, but... Uh, have they said what the colors are? I don't think they have. have nah, but I mean, aren't I we tired? They would be green. I mean, isn't that the Emerald City? Yeah, please. No, just no more black jerseys. They could at least be white so we can cut up some more for jersey cards. Oh, yeah. Well, every other one is going to be, you know, their road jerseys are going to be white. Mm-hmm. Got to have those game-used white jersey swatches that nobody likes. Or the better Actually, ones. Like in 06, 05 and 06, they used the in the interior lining as jersey piece. Really? Those, yeah. Because hmm, the holes were gigantic in and it was like pulled and stretched placed on the inside. It was like the inside mesh. Oh, weird. Yeah. So I don't know. So uh, what else do you want to talk about in NHL news before we move on to uh, hockey card goodness? Well, in the opposite direction of the Bruins, and we brought up the Golden Knights, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury donated $100,000 to, to pay T-Mobile Arena employees. And the, the team itself, the whole Knights organization, came up with about 500000 total to cover uh, expenses and pay pay their employees. So, you know, there's, I mean, there, there, there's a positive, and there's all sorts of stories going around of guys donating time and, and money and things like that to different organizations just while they can, just because they know, you know, it's going to hurt gonna hurt the other people more than it hurts them so that's good well you know and another thing is if and that's great of flurry and it's great of 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 the team ownership but i guess like if i had a staff in place and if they just up and left i'd be screwed so if like everybody quit the job and took other jobs and then the nhl season started back and then i had to like rehire everybody like people in a hurry to like fill those roles, it would be tough. Not impossible, but tough. Every time you got to hire somebody new, you got to spend a ton of money in order to get them oriented and trained. I, I know, and I don't understand why companies people than it does to pay to bring in new people. Say it again. I said it costs way less to keep the people you have than it does to bring in new. And I don't understand why, like places don't pay their employees better with that in mind like hey you know what if we give this guy an extra dollar an hour as a raise he's going to be super happy and he's going to stay versus ah we'll just find somebody else and then they have to train the person right you spend so you spend so much money through hr type things you know looking for the person posting ads listing jobs and then going through the hiring process and bringing that person on and going through training and going through orientation and giving them the on the job, the job training and buying them new uniforms. And I mean, there's so many different things that go into it. It's it, it costs less to keep an employee than it does to hire new. I mean, that's and yet, and yet typical, typical business, right? They just, you know, Oh no, that's okay. We'll find somebody else. Well, yeah, I just I mean, hope. I just hope for the for the sake of the economy and just the way things have gone for a while, I, I hope this is just a small blip. 
and this will go away. That's what I hope. Yeah, I mean, I know, like, in Illinois, we're on lockdown until April 7th. Yeah, I think we're the same. Like I said, as of 11.59 tomorrow, it's we're the same until then. And, you know, I will tell you this. If they do lift this, or when they do lift this, and restaurants and bars are allowed to be open, it's going to be the party of the century. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. You can guarantee that. Well, I mean, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. So, uh, Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky. So, um, we're recording this on Monday night. This is being posted Tuesday morning. So, Monday, March 23rd, is the 26th anniversary of Wayne Gretzky passing Gordie Howe for the all-time goals scored during the regular season, the NHL regular season. He scored his 802nd goal. I don't remember watching that game. I remember the one where he eclipsed Howe's scoring record. I remember watching that one. I don't remember seeing this one. I don't. I mean, I remember hearing about it. I just, I didn't get a chance to watch it. Never got around to watching it either. I mean, I know since then he set more records. And then, I mean, he eclipsed Howe's all-time scoring, if you count like WHA goals and NHL goals combined and obviously every time he scored a point he was just making that record bigger and you know could you imagine like you have the record for all time points and then you go out and you score a goal and it's like oh well you've just set the record and then you go out and you score two assists all you've just set the record again you know what I mean like every night in his career was just setting another record of some sort or just making that record even greater he broke the point record like in 89, right? Yeah, 89. And, and so then the, the actual goal total was 94. Yeah. There's quite a few seasons in between there for him to make up some ground. And you got to figure, well, that was 89. He breaks the point record. That's right after he went to L.A. So he had some pretty flush years in L.A. of... Uh, no longer having to dish the puck off and being the guy that the puck was dished to. So, well, and remember Gordy how he set that goal record. It took him 26 years to set that record of 801 goals, and it took Gretzky about 15 years to break that record. I'm not trying to demean or diminish what. what no, 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 no. Just, but I mean, just that's why game. it took him a long time. Sure, 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 sure. And what does he have? And now we got uh, potential of Ovechkin getting getting to that point. Getting to Gretzky's goal record, yeah. Which is, you know, that's that that's one of those numbers that I I know you and I have been told our entire lives that it would never be broken. Well, now we're in the midst of that's a possibility. So Gretzky, back in 1994, he broke. Howe's goal scoring record and obviously the next year 94 95 a lot of the trading card companies they made a card of Gretzky you know with the breaking the record whatever noting that as as trading cards would do back then something happens one season the next season they'd be like oh the Flyers go on a 35 game or whatever unbeaten streak right or Mario Lemieux wins the Art Ross trophy or whatever right well it was funny though was at 93 94 like a couple of card companies tried really hard to make a Gretzky card commemorating that goal. 
So there was a set called Pinnacle back then, and they made a card of Gretzky. It was like the very last card in their Pinnacle Series 2 set. But the card was printed so late, and it was printed like after the fact, that it only made it into the Pinnacle Series 2 jumbo packs. So the only way people would have happened to get this card is, one, if they were collecting Pinnacle Series 2, and two, if they were buying jumbo packs. Then they may have gotten the card. So, like, Beckett doesn't even count that card as part of the set. In fact, I bought that set. And it didn't have that card. And I wasn't even aware of it. Then when I was putting together my recap of every 93-94 card set ever made, uh, or every uh, hockey card set, and I was ranking them, and I was doing research, and I found out about that, I'm like, what? What is this card that I don't have? And so that I became hell-bent on tracking one down. And then also, Score, they issued their series too late in the season, so they were able to put... Gretzky's 802nd goal that got its own card in uh, score series two and then upper deck they actually made a special upper deck card that looked like Gretzky's card in upper deck series one but they stamped 802 goals on it in the bottom corner and then they put it in packs of Parkhurst which makes no sense if you think about it like here's this random upper deck card and we're just going to throw it in packs of Parkhurst because we got to get this card out there somehow. So it's kind of funny how the companies, they just wanted to like, be like, yeah, Gretzky setting the record. And they just kind of scrambled to get those cards in there ASAP and not wait until that fall. I was trying to think about that pinnacle card. And we were, we were talking a little bit ago and I actually found that one that was stuck in Parker series two with the gold stamp at the bottom. Well, either gold or silver. So just, just what I have is in gold. Yeah. So the one that has the gold stamp that says 802 goals, that was issued in Parker's series two packs. The ones that have silver foil where it says 802 goals, that was given to dealers and also to fans that attended the following Kings game at Great Western Forum. Because back then Upper Deck was really, well, they're still active in giving away cards at at, uh, games, but you know, this one was like tied right to that, uh, the the next home game the Kings had. Well, the pinnacle one, I don't know that I recall what it looks like, but I'm thinking in my head that there's a picture of him holding up his puck on the back, wearing like a sweater vest with his hair all messy, or maybe he's like just got out of the shower or something after a game. If you're quizzing me like, what does this hockey card look like? Don't do that, because I don't have every card committed to memory. <laughs> no, just, no. No, I was just trying to think out of the top of my head because I don't know if I have that one or not. If it has that picture on it, I think I do. But if it doesn't, then I don't know what it is. So the 93-94 Pinnacle card, on the front it has uh, a picture of Gretzky scoring the goal. It shows him scoring the goal? Yeah, he's playing against the Canucks. Well, I guess my question is, does it show the goaltender that he scored it against? Yeah, it was probably Kirk McLean. I just wondered if he was on the picture. Yeah, I don't know. There's like a crowd Maybe of people. A trivia question. Who, who is the goalie that he scored that goal against? Yeah, and then on the back of the card, he's holding up the puck in a sweater vest and his hair's all messed up. That's the one. That's the one. No, I have that. Yeah. Good card. Speaking of cards, I want to talk a little bit about how COVID-19 has affected the hobby thus far with social distancing, with things being canceled, with different states passing different ordinances of 
what businesses can and cannot remain open. As I talked about last week, the Sports Card Spectacular in Chicago was canceled. PSA grading was closed for like a day, and then they reopened, and then they were closed again. And they reopened because first it was like the state of California was like, we want all the businesses to close. And then they were like, no, you know what? We just want businesses where the public go to, to close. If you still show up and go to work, but you're not having like the public in and out of your building, then you could stay open. And then, then that was reversed. And it's like, no, no, no. We just want everybody, you know, if you're not essential, stay home. Beckett sent an, I don't know if they sent an email, but I just noticed today on their webpage that their Dallas office is closed until at least April 3rd. Both PSA and Beckett are asking to not send in anything for grading because they don't know when they're going to get to them because they don't know when they're going to open. PSA is closed until further notice. Beckett is closed at least until April 3rd. Upper Deck has suspended its game-dated moments set because obviously there's no game-dated moments to speak of. And Tops is suspending its now NHL hockey stickers. I think they solicited week 24, then pulled it down because I remember them listing it. And I'm like, oh, okay, that'll be interesting. Are they going to do like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like whatever happened then, and then just like have it all focus on those four days? But then they, they pulled it off the site. So that's not happening. Now, there is another sports card spectacular that may happen in May from May 29th to 31st. Uh, That's still a little too far out for anybody to really guess if that's going to happen or not. But uh, closer than that is the Spring Expo in Toronto, which is May 1st to May 3rd. So there's already been some rumblings that the show is going to be canceled. However, I went to the Sports Card Expo website today. At the top, they have a yellow stripe. It says COVID-19 update. You click on that, it opens a pop-up window. That uh, It's pretty long, but uh, I'm going to just read the first paragraph um, that's written by Steve Menzi, who's the promoter of the show. He wrote, There is also a wide range of opinions on what to do, not to do. It is my personal opinion that two... Many are overreacting, but this also must be taken seriously. And I have consulted with a number of other stakeholders and health professionals to come up with this measured response. Clearly, this is a fluid situation and one that we continue to monitor and will update you on ongoing. But as of today, the expo is on, all caps, and we have no intentions of canceling at this point. So, yeah, so they're saying that the show is on and that they have no intentions of canceling at this point. Everything else that has said that going into it has ended up canceling in the end anyway. Yeah. And well, fortunate it is when they wait till the last minute, it screws everybody else that's involved. When the Chicago Sports Spectacular was not going to close until literally an order by the governor made them close. Like, they didn't say, like... J.B. Pritzker didn't say, hey, sports card spectacular. You need to close down. He just said nothing over a thousand people. And you're not going to close down? So fine, I'll close everybody down. So you have to close down. 
Right. And that's that's what he did. And so uh, but it was even funny because like the expo, because when we talked about that originally, you know, there were like nine or 10 people who had canceled. Then by Thursday afternoon, already 21 of the 100 autograph guests had canceled. I know they didn't want to cancel the show because there were people who paid for admission. There were dealers who paid for tables and now they're stuck giving everybody refunds. And yeah, that sucks. But you know what? Health is more important. You got to be happy and healthy before you could do these extracurriculars, right? I know that they don't want to cancel the spring expo because, yeah, then you'd have to give refunds to all the dealers that paid for the tables, all the people who paid for advertisements in the expo magazine, and yet there's no show. So the magazine doesn't get given out. Uh, I mean, it gets mailed out and it gets sent to dealers, but it's not going to be at the show. You know what I mean? So it might take another act of government to make that show stop. But if you read to the whole thing, he talks about how they're going to be like cleaning the place constantly and, and how there are no people coming from overseas to the show. Like all their attendance is people from like mainly from the Toronto area and people from the U.S., but not necessarily people from like other countries. It doesn't matter whether they're not from around here or not. They Toronto's announced Toronto even announced today that they have a bunch more cases that they found. Mm-hmm. It's not, there isn't a place that's immune unless you live in a shack on top of a mountain isolated by yourself. Truly. Then you're not immune. Well, what if you lived with shack on a mountain? You're definitely not immune. Well, what if he's six feet away from you? He would have to be further than that. Okay. Because he's over six feet tall. The taller you are more than six feet, the further away you have to go. Right, because your sneeze can travel further. Yes, and if you if you fall straight over like a tree, the chance of you touching, so you have to be far enough out, so if you do fall, you will land and not hit the other person. So you have to be far enough away from Shaq so that if he sneezes, that his sneeze can't reach you. And if he falls down suddenly, he won't fall on top of you. Correct. Okay. All of that is true. Okay. All right. So uh, in a Shaq on a mountain, you might be safe. With Shaq on a mountain, not safe. Which is funny because my son is in a Shaq on a mountain right now on spring break. Do you want to give a little context there? His grandparents have a cabin in the middle of northern Arkansas, in the middle of nowhere. So that's where he is, hunting and fishing and doing whatnot. Okay, yeah. Far away from people, except the grandparents. Yeah, I think the next closest neighbor is 15 miles from their house. And the next closest town is like 30 miles away. So they're pretty isolated. That is some social distancing right there. Anyway, so changing gears now, we want to talk. I wanted to talk about something that would make me happy. Because, man, there's not been a lot to be happy about. I mean, we just keep hearing bad news, bad news, more people getting sick, more people dying, especially in Italy and in other countries. It's it's really sad. I mean, this is obviously a serious thing. And then you contrast that with people who are like, bitching and moaning and all they're being asked to do is stay at home. Listen, I'm not saying if you're complaining about losing money from not being able to go to work, that is a genuine concern. 
But if you're pissed off because you can't go out on a Saturday night, and you had plans, and now those plans are canceled, grow up. Listen to us talk about this old set of hockey cards from 86, 87, because that's going to put me in a good mood. Hopefully that's going to put you in a good mood too. So we're going to talk about 1986, 1987, Tops Hockey, and 1986-1987 Opeechee Hockey. Because you really kind of have to talk about both sets because they're so similar. I mean, they look the same. They have almost all the same cards. You know, it just depends what side of the border you were on. Obviously, if you were in Canada, you were lucky and you got the Opeechee cards. And if you were in the U.S., you got the Tops cards if you could find them. 86-87, I wasn't even collecting hockey cards let me see. I would have been collecting football because the 85 Bears, they won in January of 86. So that fall, I would have been collecting football cards like crazy. But uh, Opeechee and Top. So, uh, Tim, do you have the, either of those sets? I don't. I do not have the full sets, but I am slowly but surely putting them back together. At one time, I had the vast majority of the Top set. Mm-hmm. Uh, minus some of the key cards, but uh, you know that got blown up over the years. So, did you lose them? No, I mean my collection's gone AWOL numerous times. I mean I'm sure my mom threw them away at some point. There ah. and at one time I sold off everything I had, and another time I, who knows? I mean I've had I've had multiple spurts in and out. Did you buy those back in the day? Um, I did not. Okay. In fact, the first shot I had at 86, 87 hockey cards was in, it was either 1991 or 1992. And the reason why I don't remember, I did a lot of drugs back then. No, I'm just kidding. Um, the, uh, I think it was in 91. Because it was before I moved to the Chicago area. So, um, and I was at a show. It was a local show. And a guy had a little jewel case box with probably, I don't know, 60, 70 cards in it. Mm-hmm. And he basically wanted 50 bucks for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, I didn't have 50 bucks, so I had to come up and scrounge and figure out a way to get 50 bucks. So I did and went back and bought that little case. And with the exception of like three or four cards in there, the whole entire box, the whole entire little jewel box was 86, 87 tops. Mm-hmm. No Patrick Waugh rookie, but there was a John Van Beesbrook. Did it have the second year Mario Lemieux card? Uh, it did. It actually had two of them. One wow. Okay. Badly off center. Oh. Well, yeah. you know what? 50 bucks at the time for 91. Because, I mean, his rookie card at the time was like a solid $150. Um, I mean, his OPG was obviously more. His second year card, I mean, was up there. You know, it was probably. 50 to a hundred dollars on its stone. So what not... I was more excited about in that box were the stickers at the time mm-hmm. because I had never seen them before. Okay. And there were probably, I would say about eight stickers in there. Mm-hmm. I think I still have most of them today. 
So just to give a little context, so the 86-87 Topps Hockey Set, 198 cards, 16 additional box bottom cards that were printed on the bottom of the boxes, and it had 33 stickers, 12 All-Star stickers and 21 Team Logo stickers. Now, the OPG set from 1986-87 had 264 cards, 16 box bottom cards, did not have stickers that year. So, um, yeah, the, the All-Star stickers and the, you know, the, the six first-team All-Star players, the six second-team All-Star players, and then 21 Team Logos. So, yeah, 33 stickers. Um the first time I saw 8687, I I had never seen them before. I was at a card show. No, excuse me, at a card shop. And the cards looked strange to me because at first they kind of looked a little bit like the 8586 cards in the sense that there's like this white border that bumps in with like this curved shape and then they'd stick the logo in there, you know, and then there's like a color bar at the bottom with, you know, the player's name. Now, I think the 8687 set looks nicer than the 8586 set, but at the time I just thought it was kind of derivative. Like it it looked like they just took the set and made it a little nicer instead of it being like an all new design because I mean, I remember like 85 Tops football having like black borders and the cards being horizontal and the player name being really big. And then the 86 tops football set having like the green borders with like white diagonal lines, which were supposed to look like the yard lines on a football field. And, uh, and then, right. you know, with baseball, like the 87 tops baseball, having that wood grain border that, you know, I think was supposed to look like a baseball bat, uh, wood grain. So I was used to like sets looking radically different every year. So to me, the set just kind of looked like just like a slightly better version of 8586. At the time, I wasn't super impressed with the set, but as I look at it now, I just think it's really colorful and just really attractive. And I like a lot what they did with the set. It's definitely not a horrible design. I like the way they do the, the the colors on the sides and at the bottom, and they match the the players' uniform colors. Yeah, and I like I like the fact that the the all star stickers have almost the same design as the base cards, minus the fact that they have stars along the side. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, same the same out on the bottom that looks like a little tab in a folder where they slipped something in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, believe it or not. I don't have all the all-star stickers from this set. I have like five of them and I bought them at a show not too long ago in like a quarter box. And I'll have to rectify that because I have like almost every set and every card from like 1980 to 1990. (laughs) The fact that I don't have these stickers and they're not impossible to get. I just never got around to getting them. I think for a while there was like a ridiculous price on the Lemieux sticker, and now that set's come down considerably, so now I could probably just buy the sticker set, you know, complete. But once upon a time, it's like that Lemieux sticker was like a $30, $40 sticker, and I wasn't going to buy it, you know. And Or I always told myself either the price will go down or my income will go up, or a combination of the two. So, uh, yeah, the All-Star stickers are nice couple of notable rookie cards. So in both sets, of course, there's the Patrick Wild rookie card. That's the big card in the set. I mean, the Mario Lemieux second year card is is the big 
other big card. But as far as rookies in um, both sets, Patrick Waugh, John Van Beesbrook, Gary Suter, Wendell Clark, John McLean, Clint Malarchuk, Peter Klima, Dirk Graham, Craig McTavish, Russ Courtnall, Ray Ferraro, Dave Tippett. Now, I know a lot of these guys aren't Hall of Famers, but all of these guys that I just named played a long freaking time in the NHL. Like, I can't believe how many rookie cards are in this set of guys who just had, like, really good careers. Really great careers, you know? Well, you named off a whole host of solid players. I mean, Wendell Clark, Dirk Graham, Peter Klima, Craig McTavish, Gary Suter, Russ Cardinal. Who else did you say? Ray Ferraro was in that list? Ray Ferraro and Dave Tippett. And then on top of that, then you got like in the OPG set, you also had uh, Steve Thomas, who was one of my personal favorite players, but he also played a long ass time and he was in the uh, movie Young Blood. So, yay, there's his rookie card and he's, he's in this set. Petri Skrico, uh, Elaine Chevrier, who maybe didn't have the longest career, but hey, he was a Blackhawk goalie. He had an incredible playoff run in 89. He also played a little bit for the Penguins. And then uh, Joel Otto. Otto was a Calgary Flames center. He was kind of like the anti-Messier in the fact that he was like the big center guy that like the Flames would put out to combat Mark Messier. You know what I mean? He was like their big, powerful center. Yeah, I could see that. I, I could see the the dichotomy of the anti Messier. What's interesting, though, and so I liked Joel Otto in the the uh, the '90s because you know he was he was a big player, he was a, a centerman. I wasn't necessarily a Flames fan, but Otto was American, and he uh, I believe he was the captain of the 1991 Canada Cup team. So his rookie card is annoying, though, because it doesn't picture him. It pictures a Canucks player named Mo Lime, and so. Mo Lime is on Joel Otto's rookie card, and then Otto is on Lime's card with the text "Now with Vancouver." It's always now annoying. with Vancouver under an assumed name, right? Now with Vancouver, and he's not. You know, and it's just just terrible. You know who else had a uh, has a rookie card in both of these uh, sets that you didn't name? No, because I was saving him for the end because he has such a fun name to say. Did you say Clint Malarchuk? No, I did say Clint Malarchuk. Okay, so I'm thinking of a Penguins goaltender. Penguins goaltender? Uh, Uh, Tom Barrasso? uh, No. Oh, no, no. It's not Barrasso. He was a rookie on favors. Roberto Romano. I know. Great name, right? Uh Roberto Romano gets props for just alliteration. I believe I have that card autographed. If I'm really? Right. Yeah. By Tom Barrasso? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, it's autographed by Tom Bar- It's It's autographed by um, uh, Joel Otto. Um, nice. In fact. No, I have it. I have that card actually signed by Roberto Romano. I have a few cards from this set, like, actually autographed by players. I know Romano is one of them. There's a couple other Penguins that I have signed. I think I also have a Chico Rush signed, too. I'm not sure why, Chico. He's with the Flyers in that set, isn't he? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I, I, just, I, just, I just remember his hair helmet on the picture. 
Yeah, if I'm, uh, I'm thumbing through my set right now, just looking at it. So, you know, as as I look through the set, one thing I want to say... Oh, go ahead. It's like the 150 range. Yeah, I'm just kind of getting... I'm getting there. I'm getting there. What I like about this set is there is really a great variety of... Um, fo- yeah, here we go. Glenn Resch, yeah. And he's just like... They painted a Flyers jersey on him, and they did a really terrible job. What's nice about this set, though, is that it's a good mix of close-up or candid portrait-type shots. And then there's also a good number of, like, mid-range shots where you have the player from, like, the waist up. And then you then there's, like, a lot of... I, I don't want to say action shots because a lot of them are from the warm-ups, but there's a, there's a few in here that are actually from games because you could see them, like, with, you know, next to the other team's goaltender or, like, they just have a little more concentration on their face. I mean... Here's a card of Al Jensen, and he's trying to stop a Penguins player. You know, here's Mike Liute, and he's stopping a puck. Might be in practice, might not, I don't know. But then here's, like, a close-up of Dennis Potvin. I mean, he's probably sitting on the bench, but it's just a nice, like, portrait of him. You know what I mean? And, like, Lemieux is sitting on the bench, and it's a nice shot of him. You could see his face. You could see he's watching the play. Obviously, there's play going on. You know, and then here's, like, Joel Quenville, like, waiting for the face-off. Like, he's a defenseman, and he's just, like, waiting for the puck to drop. You know what I mean? And then here's one of, like, Murray Bannerman, and he's, like, in the crouch in his crease, like, waiting for the play to come to his side of the the ice. So, uh, you know, and I'm not going to visually describe every single card, but, I mean, here's Larry Melnick. He's playing along the boards, and there's a Devils player about to close in on him. So there's some action shots, and there's a lot of just of them standing around kind of shots, but it's a yeah, good mix. It's interesting you bring that up because this is one of the first sets that I I paid attention to of like the actual photos that are really? on the card. And, and this isn't the first set that used a lot of close up photos of players, and it won't wouldn't be the last. But it's one of the first ones that I actually paid attention and you know went through these later on after I got my first taste of them and started like kind of compiling and building them and putting them in a book and really going through and looking at them and realizing there's so many like close up, like whoever took these pictures just got their new zoom lens and they Mm -hmm. tried to in on every single person that they're getting. And, you know, it wasn't a high speed lens, so they couldn't get the action shot. So, you know, they saved that for somebody else, but they got a lot of these close-ups of guys like the Van Beesruck card. It looks like he's coming either off the bench or was already on the bench as the backup goaltender and skating towards the locker room or I always thought he was doing the warm-up skate. It could be the warm-up skate. You know, this was one of the first sets that I noticed more just I don't know if you want to call them candid shots, but this is kind of a set where you would see like if upper deck was to take all these pictures mm-hmm. today, most of these would end up in candid. Mm. Wow. That's a good, that's a good point. And you know, the thing is, is like, I like the variety. One problem that I have now, l- let me backtrack a little bit because 
84-85 Tops and Opeachy, they were very consistent with what they did with those cards. And what they did was they had an action shot and then they had a little headshot in the corner. And that was fine because the action shots were exciting and the headshots were nice because even like Either in the, the play the square in, in the circle. Now. Yeah. Okay. And so um but when I when there's a set that has too much of the same thing, I don't like it very much. Like and let me give you like a for instance. In the game nineteen seventy two. You remember that set? Every yeah, they, they were kind of a mock-up 71-72. Yeah, sort but of. every yeah. single card in that set was a close-up. It was a head and shoulder shot, close enough so you couldn't see any logos for obvious reasons because they couldn't show the logos. But that set, as cool as the design was, to me it got boring very quickly because every single headshot was just straight on head and shoulder shot no variety whatsoever you said it though that was partly to hide the logo if they did them like the original 7172s obviously you would see the full scale of whatever the emblem was on their jersey or you know the team logo so they would have to airbrush all that stuff out except for the ken dryden card right now think about most upper deck sets how many of them use a player shot where you see three quarters of their body and they're in some sort of an action. They're, they're, they're skating in a game. Regular upper deck? Uh, anything. MVP, victory, take your pick. Most of them have like the full, full length. Yeah. Like skate, well, three skate quarters to, to, to full length. Right. Yeah. Right. But what I'm saying is that there's no variety. Well, actually in upper deck series one, series two, there is variety. Because you do have the close-up shots and you do have some of the more candid shots, even not in just canvas, but in like the regular series one, series two. So those are probably more interesting because those have a lot of variety. But I think like when I look at a set of like, say, MVP, they really don't have a lot of variety in the types of photos that they use. Wouldn't you agree? MVP or victory or SP authentic or all of those sets. Um. Yeah, because they're, I mean, they're they're done, and I think we've talked about this before, they're done more on a specific design, and so everything stays uniform, whereas Flagship has always been known for, hey, this is our big set, this is where, this is where we're paying our big money for the pictures that we take, and we want to make this one interesting, so um, I think they save all the best photos for Series 1 or Series 2. Yeah, I guess I'm just saying I wouldn't mind more stuff like this. And I guess that's what Series 1 and Series 2 does. Well, you know what they've done in the last few years, too, is you start to see a lot more of the inclusion of third jersey photos or maybe a pick or two from an outdoor game or maybe uh, they had special warm-up jerseys or something, so they took a couple pictures of players wearing weird warm-up jerseys. Mm Mm-hmm. Last, I would say the last at least the last four years, you started seeing a lot more of that in the base flagship. You know, if you look go back to 86, 87, you have all these up close, you know, waist high or zoomed in on the face. That's more of what you expect to see in the canvas parallels Mm -hmm. today, more of an up close and personal, you know, 
not not so much here's the camera look up my nose kind of thing but you know close enough that you can see unless of course you're carrie wilson which is carrie <laughs> wilson card you can, you can see right up his nose um, yeah it is not a flattering uh flattering shot yeah and then some of these uh some of the airbrushing that they did of course on the uh jerseys were just ridiculous you know one thing i did do um and i'll be sure to link to this um i was so frustrated by the uh joel otto error that i actually made custom cards of otto and lime where i just swapped their photos back to what they should look like nice and then I printed them out. I like put them on like, you know, I printed them at the local Walgreens drugstore on like photo paper. And then I just trimmed them with like a nice straight. I have like a little trimmer like that's on a rail. So it ma makes like straight line cuts. And then you I, that, everybody? Uh, PSA is closed. Send your stuff to Sal. He's got a trimmer. I got a trimmer. I'll even uh, I'll even replace the blade for you. So that it's a friend. A fresh new blade, right? So I could get a nice straight straight edge. Guaranteed Jump Mint 10. Yeah, how about it? It's funny how, like, some of the cards, they look fine to me. I scan them, you know, to blog about them or to talk about them for the podcast because I'll, like, include images. Um, and, like, how they look good, but then when I scan them, they look terrible. Like, my Gary Suter rookie card has, like, a little ding in the corner, and I'm just like, oh, that sucks. And, like... I knew like my OPG Patrick Wah has a little bit of speckling on the front where it looks like um like a little bit of wear. But like to the naked eye, it looks okay, you know, it's I might want to upgrade this card, but when I scan it, it looks like ten times worse. Like, ugh, you know, like scanning really just picks up all the all the blemishes. Yeah, but the fact that you have an OPG Wah rookie, that'd be fine with me. Yeah, and you know it's funny, and I tell people this, and some people, some people don't care, and some people take it the wrong way. But most of my cards are in pages. My WA yeah. rookies are both in pages. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're putting, if uh, we had this, we had this chat, sort of, not you and I had this chat, but we had this chat on the puck, the new puck junk Facebook group. Um, okay. about something similar to this. Look, everybody collects the way they want to collect, and nobody can poo-poo anybody else's stuff. Like, right. you ever hear the phrase, don't... What What is it? Uh, when you make comments about other people's food? Uh, I, there's, there's some comment about it. There's some, like, phrase. But anyway, it, it's kind of the same thing. Everybody collects differently. A set collector that isn't about just throwing crap in a box and leaving it. And, mm -hmm. and there it is. Hey, look, I have that set. What's it look like? I don't know. I put it together and it's in a box versus sticking stuff in a page, sticking pages in a binder, putting binders on a shelf, labeling them. It's like you have being able to go to the shelf at any given time and say, you know, I wonder what that 93, 94 upper deck, Wayne Gretzky all-time goal scorers 802 stamp card looks like. I'm going to go to that binder and I'm going to pull it out and there it is. And I can find it. And you can quickly access anything. So there's something to be said for it. And unless you're a grader, unless you're going out there and getting every little card you have encased in a slab for all of eternity, why not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, 
I mean, I remember one guy I talked with and he's just like, oh, I wouldn't do he was an older guy and he was all into graded cards. Although it was funny because he was he was bitching about grading cards. We were talking at a at a national, the last national in Chicago. And then he was just like, oh, well, I would get the key cards graded and then I would just put them separate. And then you could put a little piece of paper in, in, the, in the pocket that says, you know, my Mario Lemieux rookie card is in the box or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, I like paging through my set. And I mean, obviously, I I take good care of them when they're in pages. I mean, I I I you know, make sure that my binders are nice and upright and everything. And I have all these other little precautions, which I should probably blog about because I think other people would find it interesting what I do just because over the years as a collector, you start to pick up all these little um, habits or ticks or what's the word I'm looking for? Like um, idiosyncrasies idiosyncrasies and then when somebody else sees that they either think you're crazy or they go oh that's a really smart idea i should do that you know what i mean and then you've just helped another collector right i'd say no rule there's There's no no rule it's what you make of it right what makes you have collect what you want do what you want it's your collection right and how many times do any of us that have been doing this for so long say that to all the noobs that come out say hey if we can give you one word of advice, do what you want. That's the word of advice. Getting back to 8687, um, yeah, I was doing a little research on the prices, and it seems that like the 8687 set, just going on recent eBay sales data, OPG set seems to be around $200. Top set, way more fluidity in that. I saw anywhere from $40, including the WA, to like $100. $30, including the WA, and then maybe 50 to like 120 somewhere around there. So there's a little more fluidity in that because that's seen as the less desirable set. The OPG set's seen as the more desirable set for whatever reason. I mean, yeah, printed in less quantities, has more cards, It's has French. Uh, and that's always been the case with the OPG because there's generally less cards, and nine times out of ten, what ends up coming out about the top set? Oh, well, you know, cards, blah, 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 are double printed. So there's yeah. a billion. And that happened with this set. I mean, this year was no exception. It was the same thing. Yeah, you had 132 single prints and 66 double prints. So this is another set where, like, if you were to buy a box, like back in the day, you would be able to put together a set. But if you were just randomly buying packs, like I'll give you a for instance, 89.90 tops. I bought a box when those came out. I put together a set. No problem. But, you know, you buy a box, you get 15 cards per pack, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to build a 198 card set. But 87.88, I was buying that pack by pack by pack by pack by pack. And I got so many of the same cards over and over. And I think one day I finally like bought like the last two cards I needed for that set, like from a dealer or from mail order or something. It was just such a nightmare to put together because at the time the packs were selling for like a dollar, dollar fifty a pack. So I'd go to the card shop and I'd be like, do I buy a pack of 87, 88 tops and try to finish that set? 
Sure. And I'd buy a pack or two and I'd get the same freaking cards over and I'd get Kelly Kisio so many damn times that I just, I just, oh God, I just like that card is like permanently etched in my mind. The 87, 88 tops Kelly Kisio card. But no, I didn't have the luxury of buying this in packs. But yeah, it's not it's not an expensive set to put together, or excuse me, to buy. I wouldn't recommend putting it together. I mean, unless you really want to. And who wouldn't? No, my my time's more valuable. Look, nine times out of ten, an eighty six, eighty seven top set you could get for fifty bucks online, maybe seventy five bucks online. Let's just say, how much would it cost you to put that set together, card by card, one hundred ninety eight cards? I said, if you could find the vast majority of them in a quarter box. Okay. You know, minus some of the bigger ones. Obviously, Patrick Law won't be in a quarter box, but most of the others will be. Well, let's say, let's just say 190 cards out of 198. Let's say 190 of them are commons, right? Because you got Gretzky, Lemieux, Wah. Those are the big ones. I mean, maybe Suter and Beezer might be a dollar each, and Clark. I mean, I found Wendell Clark's rookie card in a dollar box. I mean, you know, so if you get 190 cards at a quarter each, right? Right there, that's 47.50. That's almost a set, right? You're not going to find a Wah cheaper than, I mean, 50 bucks is like a really good low end tops price for a Patrick Wah rookie card. I mean, even if you got the Wah at a steal at, like, say, $30, and then you still needed to get the Gretzky and say you got that for 5 bucks, and the checklists and the other cards, let's say you just got those for 5 bucks. I mean, already you're looking at, like, 90 bucks almost. I always thought the Gretzky card for this set looked weird. Why? Uh, it just looked weird. I think, it's the, I think it's the yellow border. The yellow border, for some reason, just didn't, I don't know didn't do it for me on that design it made the card look weird oh yeah it almost looks like king colors if you look at it yeah which makes you think more of a blue than a purple but yeah that's a yellow and not an orange yet it's not quite right yeah it made it almost it almost looked like foreshadowing but there yeah i mean some of these they did a really good job like with the sabers although with the sabers they do like a bright blue and a yellow, but I think a dark blue would have just been too heavy. I don't know. And they maybe they were trying to differentiate because with the Rangers, they used a dark blue and a red. Yeah, they got really, I don't know, they're really colorful. You know, one card that, that threw me off, and I want to say this was when I was putting it in the pages. And now when I looked at it again, cards number uh, 263, the last two cards in the set, 263 and 264, they're both of Flyers goaltender Bob Froese. They use the same exact photo. It's just the difference is one says goals goals against average leader, and the other one says save percentage leaders. But if you don't read that line of text, if you just look at the two card fronts, you think they're the same card because they use the same photo. They have his name underneath it, and then um, and then they just, you know, but then when I look, you look closer, you go, oh, yeah, those are two different cards. And it's kind of a jip because you'd think they would at least put, like, um, different different uh, logos, or excuse me, di- different photos. Uh, the other thing I want to say, actually, I'm looking at this now. You know how Opeachy had that uh, oval-shaped logo, like the yellow oval with the O-P-C spelled out? With the little kids playing around it? No, 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 no. The, the, 
the the standard the standard logo. Oh, okay, yeah. The oval, like the yellow oval, and it has the words OPG spelled yeah. out in it. Because this was the first year they put their logo. No, I'm sorry, eighty one, eighty two. They put their logo on the front of the cards, but it wasn't this logo. It wasn't this uh, this oval shaped logo. But they used the kids logo with the giant O and then P C inside of the O and then the little kids like hanging around the logo. They used that particular logo on yeah. the league leader cards. Yeah, that's just weird. That like they, it's like they were still figuring out which logo they wanted to use. I think they were trying to make the league leaders stand out a little differently. I guess. I I, I don't know. It's just kind of strange because it almost looks like a watermark. Like you almost don't read this as a logo. You almost read it as like a watermark. I guess um, it doesn't stand. It, it stands out and it doesn't. I don't know. Just interesting little tidbit, you know, because then, of course, they would put their logo on, you know, the card fronts that you're going forward. Yeah. I, league leaders were there. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven league leader cards. Well, they had to make Gretzky somehow, so they gave him the assist leaders card and a scoring leader card. Gary Curry had the goal leader card. Tim Kerr power play goals. Kajel Dowlin, uh, rookie scoring leaders. And Bob Froese, uh, the GAA leader and the save percentage leader. You know, there's also blank backs you can find. I actually am looking at my collection right now, and there are uh, obviously because Upper Deck bakes blank back cards that you get like one per box when you buy like the new OPG cards. But back in the day, every now and then, a batch of cards would go out that would get printed on the front, but not the back. And these would be errors. Like you'd get one and you'd be like, oh man, there's no stats on the back, right? And you'd either garbage, it's missing half of it. It's missing half of it, right? Yeah, but I actually was able to find a blank back of uh Joe Mullen, Dennis Savard, and Dirk Graham's rookie card. Graham, by the way, was like one of my favorite players growing up. And you know, another thing I'll say, and I think all fans can agree to this, or or not agree, but relate to this. When you become a fan of of, of a sport, that first year you're a fan. You, that's kind of like your that's kind of like your zero BC zero AD marker. You know what I mean? That is true. So what's funny about this particular set is that so I could name every player on the eighty eight eighty nine Blackhawks by uniform number, counting up right because that was the year I got into hockey and I was really into it and I wanted to know every player and every everyone and everything. Um, what's Interesting about this set is it has a lot of guys in it who would become Blackhawk players, but they're not yet Blackhawks. So looking through this set, it's like some weird sort of bizarro universe where Steve Thomas is with the Maple Leafs and Elaine Chevrier is with the Devils and Michel Goulet is with the Nordiques. Although I remember him as a Nordique. I remember when they traded for him. But it's just weird to see like the players that I first knew only as Blackhawks to then look back at the set and go, oh, yeah, he did play for that other team in the beginning of his career. Oh, yeah, he did spend a year with that team or whatever. You know what I mean? So that's always that was always fun to me as a kid when it'd be like, no way, it's so-and-so, but he's with a different team than the team that I know him on, you know? Yeah, I used to do that all the time. 
in my player collections, I used to threaten to never, never collect any card of those players outside of a penguin uniform. Right. But I, I've since relaxed on that. Like Paul Coffey was dead to me, except when he was on the Penguins. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know. I mean, I that is kind of weird. Yeah, like even seeing Coffey as as a Oiler to me is weird, and I know that he like set records and he was you know such a great player with the Oilers, but like because I only knew him as a Penguin, and then later on in his career, um, right. going forward, I never watched him as an Oiler. You couldn't watch hockey unless you had cable in the u.s from like 1980 to 1990 there were like no games on um on like network television until they like did the all-star game on nbc in like 91 yeah so unless you had a local team that played them and it was on whatever the local station broadcast oh wait i'm sorry in Chicago, I yeah, like okay, obviously, like if you were in New York, you could watch the Rangers on local TV. If you were in Pittsburgh, you could watch. Uh, I mean, did 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 they show the Penguins? Did you have to have cable to watch the Penguins back in the day? No, I don't think so. I listened to a lot of the Penguin games on radio, though. To be honest with you, why was that? I don't know. I just did. Maybe because I wasn't allowed to watch TV. <laughs> they didn't have they didn't they didn't have those in the work camps I was sent to. What? <laughs> the work camps. Yeah. So I, um I just remember listening to a lot of games on the radio and then um me watching me watching hockey on TV didn't come until later. Yeah. Well I mean I only saw a few minutes here and there of Olympic hockey in 88. Like that was the first time I saw anything like hockey was the 88 Olympics. I remember watching Mike Richter and I just thought he must be the greatest player in the world because every other time it was Richter, Richter, Richter. And I didn't realize that, yeah, he was making a lot lot of saves. You know, obviously the team in front of him wasn't that good, even though they had Brian Leach wasn't that good. If Richter's getting peppered with shots and look at who was, Firing the shots at him. In the Olympics? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that Soviet team. Yeah, and then so I didn't really get in. So, like, I would not have been able to watch hockey anywhere. Like, the 88 Olympics was, like, the first time I saw a hockey game. And it was just bits and pieces. And then, like, the next year is when I caught hockey when we got cable TV. Um, but, yeah, I ha- I would have had no way of, like, watching the Blackhawks. Like, I don't even remember coverage that much of the Blackhawks prior to that it's just so crazy to me that you have a professional sports team in your town that nobody cares about and nobody covers it just blows my mind blows my mind you're talking about the blackhawks in the 80s i'm talking about any any market where that that would be a phenomenon where that would happen and i get it there's markets where teams and even their own press doesn't want to talk about them Mm -hmm. come on really so uh, I think we need to wrap this one up. We're getting a little long in the tooth here. Um, you know, you did mention earlier, so we'll wrap it up with this. I started a Puck Junk Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Puck Junk. So what I'm trying to do there is foster talk about hockey collectibles, hockey culture, 
even just hockey in general. Just if you like hockey, if you play hockey, if you watch hockey, if you collect anything hockey, go ahead uh, join our group. It's uh, facebook.com slash groups slash puck junk. I will also put a link to that in the comments below. But yeah, please join that group because and not that only just having Sal and I there, but there's yeah. even more people. I mean, if that's not enough to bring you, we've got other collectors. We've got hockey players. We've got, I mean, you name it. There's been so many people that have joined this group. I'm like the outpouring of the, in the variety of people that have joined blows my mind. It's crazy. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun so far. I like, I like seeing what, what people collect. Like one guy today, he posted a bunch of bricks from different stadiums. Like he has a brick from the Olympia and he has a brick from Chicago stadium and he's a brick from Montreal forum. I mean, that's pretty damn cool. I mean, that's not the kind of thing I collect, but obviously I have an appreciation for it. And I think it's fun to see what other people are into, you know, it is. And there's been some lively discussions going on in various forms or another. So all civilized. Don't worry. I'm not, not targeting anybody. We haven't made fun of any particular fandom yet, nor will we, because everybody's everybody can be a fan of a different team, but we all love hockey, and that's the important thing. And, and while some people may not like certain things, other people might. You never know. If you're into hockey and you got something to talk about or show, jump in there. All right, let's end it. Thanks for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you yeah, like that. the show, please tell your friends, please tell your family, please tell your significant other. Please tell your pastor. Please tell your uh, local police and fire departments. But stay six feet uh, away from everyone at all times. Be sure to uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to support this show, you can head on over to shop.puckjunk.com. Pick up a Puck Junk t-shirt. And until next time, thank you for listening and peace out. Stay home. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.